2: Welcome to Financial Issues, where we align reality with truth. Conservative talk radio you can count on. Financial issues that you need to know.
3: We face
1: a disintegrating economy, a weakened defense, and an energy policy based on the sharing of
3: scarcity. We will simply apply to government the common sense that we all use
0: in our daily lives.
3: Now, here's your host, Dan Celia. Good morning. Welcome back to Financial Issues. I'm Dan Celia. It's great to be here. Well, it looks like all the indices finished in positive territory yesterday, not by uh, a lot, but nonetheless, they were positive. That is good news. It looks like all the futures are in positive territory. The Dow um, over uh, 21,000, closed over 21,000 yesterday, and it looks like it's uh, up about 30 points right now. So we could see a uh, positive open this morning. Uh, The Nasdaq up as well, and so is the S&P. So um, all the futures in positive territory. We'll see what happens. I think that the markets certainly are struggling to find or to gain some momentum here, and uh, fears have subsided somewhat, if there are fears. And if there were fears, I'm not sure why, but nonetheless— I guess the fears over Obamacare, there should still be some fears over uh, tax reform, so there should be some fear there, but nonetheless, uh, they are kind of range-bound right now. I'm okay with range-bound, not moving... Uh, dramatically downward or dramatically upward, just kind of hanging out there. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I I think that is fine. That shows us that there may be some sustainability in the numbers that we have right here. So I'm okay with it. We've had an incredible earnings season. Uh, We have a VIX – That's the volatility index that's, I think, 1993 levels. I mean, it's crazy how uh, low it seems to be. And nobody seems to care. Nothing is moving the market. Everything's good. Nobody is concerned. It is absolutely amazing that everybody, it's, it's like everybody's on vacation. And that is a very good thing. It's a very good thing. Make no mistake about it. Now, I mentioned to you yesterday about the small business confidence numbers that were coming out today. And I said, look, that, you know, this is an April number. So the fact that you have small businesses and small, the NFIB, uh, the National Federation of Independent Businesses Lobbying Group, that wants to fix Obamacare, uh, see Congress take up tax reform, two very big issues. Obviously, they want to see less regulation, and that not happening or appearing that it wasn't going to happen anytime soon in the month of April, obviously, I would expect that the volatility index is going to come down a little bit. And I'm I mean, not the volatility index. The confidence numbers was what was going to come down. And it did. It's at one Oh three point eight. I said yesterday that anything over 100 is a 40 year high. So anything over 100 is very, very good. And we are still one Oh three eight. That's down from one Oh four five. So almost one point down, but, May, this month, is probably uh, and likely to be a very different issue. We have Obamacare moving through the legislative process. I think it's going to look very different if it gets through the Senate than it did going into the Senate. And I think that is good because the tweaks uh, are likely to be uh, good, strong tweets, healthy tweets that need to be made. Once that is done, it goes to committee, and then the committee is going to uh, kick it around. And then if it passes that, it's going to go in uh, on, on the desk of the president to sign into law. So that's going to be very good. All that could happen this month. I'm not holding my breath, but it could happen this month. The biggest issue for me is tax reform. Where is it? Not hearing any talk about it. Of course, the president's headed over to Paris uh, to—now remember what the president said. He was going to overturn this ridiculous international rule that President Obama bought into when it came to uh, this this, uh, global warming issue. I think if he doesn't, his base is not going to be happy. I would be included in that. I'm not going to be happy. Now, his daughter holds a lot of sway with the president. She's of that generation that believes that we've got to keep this going. And we'll see what happens. She is going over there to talk about this. And I hopefully it doesn't happen. But nonetheless, it's distracting us from tax reform. And I just don't see tax reform. I I am not confident that it could happen. I'm just not. We're, We're headed into, we're in recess now. We're headed into the summer recess area. When we get out of that recess, and I love recess because it indicates playing and doing nothing. So when we get into this recess time for Congress, they're going to come back into session at the end of the summer and are going to be faced with a debt ceiling, shutting down the government kind of thing again. So they're going to be dealing with that in some way, shape or form. And before you know it, they're going to be headed into Thanksgiving break. It's crazy. So the idea that tax reform is getting done for 2017 is looking Uh, more and more like it may not happen, hence the, I don't want to say stagnation, but the idea that, you know, uh, we don't have any real momentum. I think that it is very obvious, based on the VIX, based on what traders aren't doing, not what they're doing, but what they're not doing, I think it's very obvious that that I may be wrong about this being a huge deal for 2017, because there apparently seems to be an overwhelming amount of confidence by businesses that it's going to happen. And listen, they understand the legislative process enough to know that this is no small task for the president. I, I'm not happy. I really want wanted to see tax reform this year, in 2017. And we're not going to see it, and it's going to impact everything. Look, you want jobs? You need tax reform. You want poverty rates to go down? We need tax reform. You want higher wages? We need tax reform. You want business expansion and growth? We need tax reform. You want to see people getting off of government assistance? We need tax reform. Look, I I mean, you can almost bring every single issue. You want productivity higher? we need tax reform you want manufacturing to increase you want tax you need tax reform you want oil prices to stabilize and some normal normalization to come into the energy markets you got to have tax reform and and these you know it's all coming back To this, and it is not an exaggeration on my part. It's not hyperbole. We need tax reform if we are going to see all of these other things in the market and in the economy that we are concerned about starting to pick up. We need tax reform, and it's not going to happen, not to mention. The one thing that U.S. tax reform is going to do, it's going to create tax reform across all the global developed nations. It has to, and it will. So you're going to have global market expansion as well, and that's a good thing. It's a good thing for America. It's a good thing for Europe. It's a good thing for Asia. I'm just saying tax reform should not be taken lightly. 866-300-9298. We'll be back after this.
2: In the book of Isaiah, the word tells us, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. In the same way, without careful planning, your financial goals could blow away like the seeds of a dandelion. It's never too early or too late to consider how a charitable gift annuity can help you meet the financial goals you've set for your loved ones, your causes, and yourself. Give AFA Foundation a call at 800-326-4543, extension 345, or visit our website, afafoundation.net. Let us explain how a charitable gift annuity can help you achieve your goals. As we read in Proverbs, the plans of the diligent lead to profit. Our phone number again is 800-326-4543, extension 345. And our website is afafoundation.net.
4: Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven
5: and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples
2: of all nations. As believers, we're called to make disciples of all nations. This is Burt Harper. Join me for Exploring Missions, revealing the hearts of missionaries, their stories, and lives. Across the world or across town, Exploring Missions, Sunday afternoons at 1 Central on American Family Radio.
3: Hi, this is Dan Celia from Financial Issues. Would you consider partnering with us here in the ministry? For your partnership, you're going to get access to my stock picks every Monday morning. You also have access to our conference car, asset allocation models, and many other strategies on the website. Would you consider being a partner with Financial Issues? Go to financialissues.org. That's financialissues.org. Welcome back, financial issues. I'm Dan Celia. Eight six six three hundred ninety two ninety eight. If you want to, you're welcome to do it. If you've got a question, you can ask on uh, YouTube. We'll take a look at that as well. If you want to, if you have a question about uh, your situation. So, uh, again, stocks struggling to find a little bit of momentum here. I don't know that they're going to find it today. I don't know that anything out there that is going to bring some of that momentum. I will say this. uh, European stocks are gaining some ground. Uh, German trade data came in. It was very impressive. And they appear uh, to uh, be in a good mood for risk over in the European markets as a result of some of the data that is coming in from Um, out of Germany and France. So, interesting. Uh, The IMF warns that uh, long-term sub-Sahara Africa is going to slow down dramatically and could be a a huge crisis when it comes to poverty. Unfortunately, their population growth continues to accelerate uh, while their economic expansion has slowed down dramatically. A lot of it has been due to severe drought that has been in those areas for three years now. Uh, you know there was an there was a time when that central Africa um uh part of the continent was uh very becoming a large exporter of corn uh it was a huge crop for them and and uh it was creating a lot of jobs and people coming out of poverty um and They lost it all. There's not a crop to be found. As a matter of fact, my wife was over there last year. There's not a, you know, uh, there's some small gardens behind people's uh, huts that they are are watering a little bit that might have a little patch of corn, but nothing like there was some years ago. So a huge problem. And the IMF is warning that uh, we could be looking at an acceleration, dramatic acceleration, in um, very poor people becoming a lot poorer, and uh, that's a sad situation as we watch their GDP growing. There was uh, four or five, five or six years ago, uh, the certain parts of Africa, this being one of them, was considered a good emerging market and investment uh, to get into, uh, not so much today, and um, that obviously is going to uh, uh, hurt. Uh, the emerging markets over in that area. By the way, the dollar continues to get stronger, uh, even in the midst of the Federal Reserve and Federal Reserve presidents continuing to speak around the country. That is likely to continue today, but the dollar uh, still is advancing, uh, which is going to keep uh, gold range-bound for certain. There's no doubt about it. Asia markets are uh, have closed uh, quiet, um, they're not uh, picking up dramatically, but they are, they are closing, uh, they close uh, pretty flat right now. So small business optimism, there's nothing coming out of that that, again, is going to help uh, our markets uh, by any stretch. The federal, One of the Federal Reserve Presidents, uh, Loretta Mister, in, uh, from Federal Reserve President from Cleveland Federal Reserve, She is not a voting president yet, not this year. She will be, I believe, next year. But she is saying that we, she said yesterday that we need to stay vigilant against falling behind as far as raising interest rates. She uh, believes that we need to continue to raise interest rates. The Federal Reserve needs to be vigilant about that. And one of the reasons why is the Federal Reserve seems to be, across the board, Uh, very optimistic about the future of the economy and the unleashing of these animal spirits in the business world that are going to be very good, moving uh, uh, quickly uh, the the upward momentum to the economy. And she is of the opinion, I happen to agree with her on this, she is of the opinion that interest rates, hikes are going to prolong the expansion that we are looking at in this economy. It's not going to hurt it. It's not going to slow slow it down, but rather it's going to prolong... The the um, issue there and the expansion and I agree with that. It's we want. You've heard me say about the markets. We want gradual expansion. We don't want huge swings. I don't want to see the market 400 points down, 400 points up. Uh, we don't want to see those kinds of swings with lots of volatility, whether that volatility is on the upside or the downside. We want to see kind of steady as she goes, kind of markets and kind of economy. She believes that if we continue to build a stronger dollar, raise interest rates gradual, that it is going to keep the growth and the expansion in the economy and GDP at a nice, even pace, which is going to prolong and continue the expansion. I agree with her 100 percent, and it's not too often I agree with any Fed president 100 percent, but I think she's absolutely right. And I think the Fed does have to stay on task. And I think that just the Fed has gotten to the point where if they continue to stay on task of raising interest rates, what we're going to see is that in and of itself actually ushering in or maintaining, help to maintain the confidence that there is in the economy, not the markets, but in the economy. So, uh, I agree with her. I think that's what we've got to see, and uh, the markets obviously don't have a problem with uh, her her uh, talking that way, and didn't didn't affect the markets any. So, anyway, good stuff, and we'll continue to watch uh, all of that and uh, the Federal Reserve in particular. The commodities right now, one of the things that we're still hearing a lot of talk about is oil. Uh, Look, I think oil, you know, I I hear that the oil sector is getting a little better right now. Oil is up, by the way. Uh, No, it's not. I'm sorry. It just turned negative. Down slightly, 46.20. But... Um, one of the things that we keep hearing is that it looks as though these produ- production cuts coming out of OPEC and, and Russia are going to be maintained for, uh, you know, for a period of time, a little bit longer than August. And that is looking good for oil. Listen, I hate to sound like a broken record. <clears throat> but that's not going to fix oil. Oh, it's going to help. It's going to slow things down. That's good. It's going to you know uh, slow the inventory growth down but it's not what we need what we need is tax reform because tax reform is going to promote uh, industry it's going to create this industrial revolution that I talked about a couple years ago that's what it's going to do when you have industry expanding at a rapid pace globally, that is what is going to, to uh, I- decrease oil gluts and oil supplies. It is a supply and demand story, but it's all on the supply side. And the supply side cannot be just controlled by reducing production. There has to be demand. And I think we're not going to get the kind of demand that we hope to get out of this economy and the European economy until we get tax reform. That's why I say it's important. For oil prices. All right, let me go uh, to phones. Uh, somebody asked me about a particular stock uh, on YouTube. Before I go to pho- phones, um, that has a um, very high yield. Um, I I don't know what they're asking, so I don't know what the uh, I don't know what the question is. I see the comment there I maybe it's just a comment uh, but obviously when when you when you look at um, I I don't know if this person um, you know realizes it but that's a stock on my list and it is a stock um, that is has been uh, often on my buy list. Uh, many times. And yes, it pays a very high dividend. There's a lot of partners out there that own that stock. Um, It's not on my buy list now for some other underlying issues and problems that they're going through. Uh, Listen, there's a reason why it's paying that high yield. Uh, It's not out of the kindness of their heart. It's to keep people in the stock and to get people to buy the stock. Um, That would be for some of the financial issues that they're struggling through. So uh, I'm trying to uh, get through that. There may be a, a day in the next month or so after I get through third quarter numbers uh, or, or uh, first quarter numbers that will put them back on the buy list, but uh, not ready for that um, right now. So uh, again, I'm not sure what the question was. Let me go to Gary in Tennessee. Hey, Gary. <clears throat> Gary, you with us?
0: And I want to thank you for helping all all of us. Uh, Your biblical information on investing has brought new light to the way my wife and I invest. I have uh, two
4: questions.
0: Okay. Uh, We are trying to balance our portfolio with some bonds. Is the, the bond called Catholic Health Initiative Biblically Responsible? And number two, could you recommend a bond that would be biblically responsible?
3: Well, I would say this I don't know about that bond. Uh, it's not one that I've done research on. Uh, but, you know, your municipal bonds, uh, individual municipal bonds, um, they uh, are biblically responsible um, most of the time, uh, 90% of the time. Any kind of government bonds, uh, long term or short term government bonds, are biblically responsible. So, uh, you know, there the there's not a lot of support out there right now for individual bonds. The individual bond market really dried up in 2007 and has not come back yet. And this low interest rate environment is probably going to um, uh, not not help any. They are starting to come back a little bit, but if they're corporate br- bonds, then. Uh, based on the corporation that's issuing the bond. So, right now, if ExxonMobil issued a individual bond, it would not be biblically responsible because ExxonMobil isn't. So, it's, a, it's real easy to figure that out on a corporate side. Um, so, I would say stay tuned uh, because— I'm hoping by uh, the first part of July, we're going to have some options uh, as far as that goes, but it's going to depend upon a lot of th- things, maybe the end of June. It's going to depend upon uh, upon a couple other things. But, um, you know, bonds uh, are bond mutual funds generally are not biblically responsible unless it is a 100 percent government bond fund or short-term government bond fund, they generally are. But if it's a uh, bond fund or a broad ba- bond fund, uh, they're not going to be biblically responsible because you're going to have a lot of corporate uh, positions in there that are not biblically responsible. So I'm sorry I can't give you any specifics. Uh, I wrote the, uh, I'll wrote i look into that bond that you had mentioned, see if I can get some information uh, on that. But um, I would say uh, hang in there, but government bonds... But you've got to go out very long, and I'm not a big fan of that, to even get 3% uh, on a government bond. We'll be back after this. Hi, this is Dan Celia for Financial Issues. You know, we live in some volatile times, and one of the things that we should be concerned about is, are the investments that I'm in honoring the Lord? Well, I try to do the best I can to make sure that the stocks and mutual funds on my list are the best out there, not only from a financial and fundamental standpoint, but that they wouldn't be displeasing to God. Would you consider being a partner with me at Financial Issues for $85 a year? You're not only going to get my stock picks that I update every week, every Monday, and my economic commentary every Monday, along with an alert system and my asset allocation models that change as the economy changes so that you can do a great job reviewing and maybe actively managing your portfolios. Financialissues.org to partner with me in the ministry.
5: This is a Decency Minute. I'm Bill Johnson. Lives are ruined one compromise at a time. It starts with one little lie, one little look, one little anything that doesn't seem so bad. But compromise is one step onto a slip and slide that leads to another compromise and yet another. And finally, spiritual callousness and death. Compromise is yielding to temptation to feed a lust of any kind, but lust never gets full. It's an insatiable bottomless pit that leads leads to the bottomless pit. Jesus is the only cure to our lust. He's the uttermost savior and sanctifier. Oh, how we need him. Never be content to compromise. Instead, let us draw near to Jesus. Let us press on into him and press on in holy living. Let us chase after the author and finisher of our faith, zealous of his good works through us. No compromise, only Christ alone. This is a Decency Minute. I'm Bill Johnson.
6: One of the most daring Christian missionaries in the 19th century was Britain's David Livingston. He explored the heart of the African continent and blazed a trail that others would later follow. Hacking his way through unexplored territory, he is famous for having said, I will go anywhere provided it is forward. And that reminds me of the apostle Paul who in his own missionary travels was stopped twice by God before a third direction resulted in an open door. The secret is to keep moving forward. It is much easier for God to direct our path while we're moving forward than when we're standing still because of fear. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's guidance on Route 66. Route 66,
1: driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com and get your roadmap for life. Route 66, start your journey home today.
3: You know, uh, somebody mentioned that stock to me. Uh, it is on my buy list. I said it wasn't. It was added to my buy list on Monday. Um, I'm sorry. I was confused with a with a uh, another energy stock that is uh, paying a very high dividend um, that I have been looking at very closely. And I realized after I went back and checked it that that was when I added because I finally got their uh, their numbers, the third quarter numbers in um the other the other energy stock i'm referring to is paying about a 6.2 percent uh dividend and that's that's what i had in my brain so I apologize for that. I didn't mean to confuse you, but yeah, it's paying a very, very good uh, dividend. That's primarily due to uh, the expansion mode that they're in and them weathering the storm as well as they've weathered the storm. They've done very, very well over the years. A lot of people, I have a lot of partners that own this stock. And because some years ago, it was on my buy list for quite a long time or on and off my buy list for um, quite a long time. And uh, so I know a lot of people own it. There was no reason. Uh, I never never had a sell on it. But right now, based on all the indications that I saw, uh, it is likely that it's going to outperform. I was a little concerned about it because it lost a little bit of its enterprise value because it did sell off uh, some of its downstream um, um, uh, services. But I, it's, it, one of the things that they do is they, um, um, is uh, liquefied natural gas, which I'm a big fan of. I just wish we would have, I think we missed a golden opportunity a few years ago. I talked about it at length with that, but uh, there's still lots of opportunity for it. And uh, So anyway, uh, that, that company is uh, alive and well. Back on my buy list. And uh, so uh, if you own it, as I know, like I said, a lot of people do, then it might be a good time uh, to add to it. It's, it's an income stock, obviously, and it's going to be, uh, y- you should be buying it because you need the income or want the income, not for any other reason. Someone asked me about a pharmaceutical stock that I put on my sell list. <clears throat> uh, it went up 60% in a very short period of time. And I put it on my sell list Um, if you didn't sell it, it's not the end of the world for me. Uh, you can keep it if you'd like. Uh, it was one of those things that it was one of those stocks that I got a, got a a number of notes from. And how did you, how did I know that? Um, I didn't know that I suspected it based on my analytical work that it was going to have a good run. I didn't expect the good run to happen so quickly, but I did expect it to have a good run and a couple other things happen, And it's up 60%, so somebody's asking me on YouTube whether, you know, was wondering why I decided to sell it. You know, when you got that much profit in a stock, it's never a bad idea to just sell and move out into another position that might have a chance for a run-up. If you keep it, that's fine, too. I mean, you know, you know, maybe you sell enough to take some of your 60% off the table, but if you keep it, that's fine. If you have a very long-term t- time horizon, this is a small pharmaceutical that, um, you know, is probably going to continue to run over the years or get bought out uh, in all likelihood. So anyway, uh, let me go to Ed. Ed's calling us from Louisiana. Hey, Ed.
4: Hello? Yes, sir. Uh God bless you and your ministry for what you do. Thank great you. service to uh, God's people. My question is, uh, I have a Timothy account, and I also have a 401k from a former employer, which has after-tax portion and before-tax portion. When I talk to Timothy about rolling this over, they keep calling it a Roth IRA, and I keep telling them it's not a Roth IRA. It has an after-tax portion. So uh, I stopped talking to them (laughs) until I could talk to you because I'm trying to figure out how to handle this.
3: So if the company co-mingled before tax and after tax in one account, that's a problem. So a lot of companies will have a traditional 401K where it's going in before taxes. And then recently, in the last few years, they've offered people a after-tax, a Roth-type 401K. But they've got to be treated as separate accounts. They can't be treated as one account. So, um, you, so Timothy or anybody would be looking at one account because it's got to be one or the other. You can't, if you commingle Roth money somehow or after tax money into a traditional, it's going to be taxable when you take the money out. Doesn't matter whether you already pay tax on it or not. Uh, it's going to, as that grows and that stays in that traditional IRA, it's going to be taxable to you. So I guess the bigger question would be is, you can't, you can't just switch it over. In other words, the company can't just say, well, okay, you have this traditional. Do you want it to be a Roth? Now, if you want to make that account a Roth, then they would roll it into a Roth. But if you did it this year, at the end of the year, you're going to get a 1099 for those taxes for the money that you rolled. From the traditional 401k over to the Roth. So, uh, so Timothy, I'm I'm assuming some of this stuff, but I'm assuming Timothy is looking at it, and I don't know why they didn't say this, but they should have said it can't be it can't be, you know, it can't be both. It's one or the other, and they are probably saying it's a Roth because that would be the best option for you. And they're probably assuming what happened was what I just said happened. And the company should not have done that without telling you that they were doing that um, and that you were going to have to pay the tax on the money that they rolled over to the Roth. Well,
4: so again, it's not a Roth. It's a traditional 401K with separate amounts. They, on the statement, it shows an after-tax portion and a before-tax portion. So they're segregating it some fashion.
3: Okay. So then, what? and what do you want to do with it? Put it in two accounts?
4: No. I want to roll the entire amount out into Timothy, preferably, but keeping that, if I can, after-tax money segregated. So I imagine that would be two accounts. But when would I talk be to too- Timothy... Yep. Yeah, they keep ref- they, they're confused by this. They keep referring to my four hundred one k as a Roth four hundred one k, which it is not.
3: Yeah, okay, so they're confused. You j- you just gotta. You, I I assu- I don't know if they've seen the statement or not. Maybe you need to fax them the statement. But no matter what, you're going to have to open two accounts.
4: Okay, so that's, you would that's simple you, enough.
3: You would have to go there and open a traditional, open a Roth, and then when they get the statement. They should split it up like that when it transfers in.
4: Very good. Yes. Very so good. They're, one, one other quick question. Yes. Um, this, the stock, the company stock in this 401k has done really well, and I expect it to continue. Is there a way to uh, keep that as they roll it over?
3: <clears throat> I don't know, Ed. They might be able to keep it. They might. You just might not be able to add to it. But they might be able to keep it in there. You'll have to ask them. But if I were you, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to cash out of that. Um, if it's company stock that you got as part as your four hundred one k, I wouldn't. I wouldn't keep it. I think. I think what you ought to think about doing, you might want to go. You still use Timothy funds where you want to use them, uh, but you might want to do it through Fidelity. You might want to go to Fidelity Brokerage and open an account so that you can keep that stock in there if Timothy can't do it. So so now, okay. you'll ha- now your IRA, you'll have, you know, you can have individual stocks. You can have Timothy mutual funds where you want mutual funds. And you can have it all in one statement at Fidelity. So I think you, that might be a better route for you to take.
4: That sounds excellent. Thank you so much for that advice.
3: All right. Thanks, Ed. I sure appreciate your call. Uh, I'm glad that's helped a little bit. Let me go to Mike in South Dakota. Hi, Mike.
7: Hello, Dan. Yes, sir. Okay. Um, been a partner about five years. Appreciate the help and how well I've done with you. Oh, I'm great. 67 and mm-hmm. retired. My wife's 64. We have a good, comfortable income. Um when my grandchildren were born, I started accounts for each one of them to help them through college. And one of them's coming; she's graduating high school, and will be starting to use that money now. Okay. My goal is to, besides helping them through school, increase my income so I'll have some extra cash to kind of help them with their day-to-day needs. And my question is: um, setting up a asset allocation why wouldn't I just put my money into preferreds and utilities? We're probably talking 300000 plus, knowing what the income would be off that.
3: Yeah. There's no reason not to do that. There's, um, I mean, I would, I would want to see, um, with that much money, a few more than what I have on my buy list— So
7: I'm into some of them already. Oh, you are uh, okay. Preferreds already, yeah, yeah. Um, But and I see, I only see really a couple preferreds on here now.
3: Yeah, but
7: but I'm not in any utilities. Um,
3: And and what about the real estate investment trusts there in the financials? I mean, some of them have really good incomes to them, and um, that might be a you know another possibility for you uh, to generate income that would give you a little more diversification. So they're under the financials as well. So look at some of those too, um, uh, Mike. I think that would be smart. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. I hope that's helped. So real estate investment trusts, some preferreds, some utilities. I even have looked for a couple individual stocks where I mark just income on it. They may be good too.
5: Physicians keep learning after medical school in order to better save lives. Shouldn't Christian leaders keep learning to better save souls? Hi, I'm Dr. John Nyhoff, President of Wesley Biblical Seminary in Jackson, Mississippi, and online around the world. Are you a Christian leader who thinks it's important to keep learning? WBS online weekend and evening classes allow graduate students to become better equipped to make disciples in a constantly changing world. For more information, visit wbs.edu.
1: Who's to blame for the problems facing our nation and families? Some say the government. Some say the devil. We believe one of the chief causes of our problems is the lack of strong Christian fathers. If children grow up with weak or absent fathers, our problems grow with them. We are One Million Dads, and we exist to help the men of the church become the fathers and husbands God has called us to be. As godly men, we can begin to improve things for our
3: kids, our wives, and our nation. Visit OneMillionDads.com. Dan Celia of Financial Issues. You know, there's probably never been a more important time in our economy to be thinking about a charitable gift annuity. I hope you'll do that just to shore up, to firm up some more income, permanent income, income that you can count on for the rest of your life while you're doing the Lord's work. A charitable gift annuity has been something I've been talking about for 25 years. Finally, we're seeing even mainstream start to get on board with the merits of charitable gift annuities. I hope you'll consider it. You can call the AFA Foundation. Someone there will help you work through the details and find out whether you qualify for a
2: charitable gift annuity. Call and speak with a representative of the AFA Foundation at 800-326-4543, extension 345.
8: The opinions and recommendations expressed by Dan are his own and do not necessarily represent the opinions of this station or any of the show's sponsors.
3: Welcome back, Financial Issues, I'm Dan Celia, 866-300-9298, 866-300-9298, we're going to go back to phones, let me go to Vince, Vince is calling us from Texas, hey Vince.
6: Good morning, Dan, how you doing?
3: I'm doing good, thank you.
6: Well, great, I have three questions for you here this morning, and I think they're all kind of interrelated, so let me get started here. First has to do with profit taking. Um, I have had uh, instances where I, on a given stock, I've had multiple purchases over time. On at least a few of those, I've taken some profits. However, when it comes to trying to determine you know, the profitability of that stock, after that profit taking and multiple buy-ins. My brokerage statement, I, I've even talked to them about this, but the gain-loss uh, 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 columns on, on my brokerage statement don't seem to reflect or give me an accurate picture of whether or not there is still profit to be taken in these given stocks. And I'd like to get your idea of how we go ahead and calculate that when we have a moving target that is we've had multiple buy-ins and on occasions we've taken some profit. The second question has to do with uh, your recent uh, asset allocation uh, uh, changes and uh, my question has to do with the preponderance of uh, uh, cash-like investments for instance uh, uh, fixed income and preferreds and utilities and the AFA cash and even to some extent financials. Am I correct in assuming that those categories are primarily income generators and that we won't see much in the way of growth in those stocks, but they are primarily there uh, as income generators and they should be seen as such? And finally, on a recent alert, you made some uh, uh, remarks with regards to growth. I'm sorry, growth stocks. And uh, with regards to those growth stocks, uh, are they only the ones that are depicted as such on your stock picks list?
3: So the growth stocks would be any any ones that say growth or growth and income. So if they're growth and income, they would still be considered, um, you know, good good stocks for growth. Obviously. The growth in income may be a little bit more conservative in that growth than would be uh, some of the growth, and in particular, some of the small cap uh, growth. So, yeah, uh, so that's that's how that would would work. As far as um, the asset allocation model, yes, you are correct that they that is um, uh, pr- you're primarily looking at what could be considered, uh, a a growth portfolio uh, – I'm sorry, an income portfolio where the majority of those things are going to be the idea for producing income. Now, there is some possibility and some likelihood from the utilities long-term and from the uh, real estate investment trust long-term where you're going to see some growth over and above the income. So, you, you know – I wouldn't call them a growth and in income stock because there's too much emphasis on the income there and and not on the growth. But you're certainly going to get in the long term some growth over those. For instance, the utility stocks last year were off the charts as far as growth. Uh, it was almost irrational growth. I said January first of. 2016, that this was going to be a good year for utilities, but I had no idea it was going to be that good. I mean, uh, there was a, uh, you know, a, a, a really a great growth period there. Now, I, I, you're not going to get any growth from not uh, from the preferreds, and I, I don't mean you're going to get very little. I mean, you're not going to get any. So, the only growth that you can get from the preferreds is the income that it's producing, because you are going to get par value someday for that. Now, is there a possibility that a preferred stock could go up to $27, $28 a share, and you sell it, and, you know, you, you get more than what you paid for it? Sure, that's a possibility, but they're not designed for that, and you shouldn't buy them in the hopes of that happening. And remember, on a preferred, it's like a bond, even though it says its valued at twenty eight dollars, when you go to sell it, you're not likely to get twenty eight. They're going to give you a bid for it. They're going to call you back and say, "Hey, I can sell it for twenty seven fifty, but I can't get twenty eight, and you you have to accept it or not." So, but they're not designed to sell. So, uh, but those other income-producing things are primarily going to be um, for for income. But you will get a little bit of growth out of that. As far as the cost basis issue, you've got to go back. There's nothing you can do about it. There's no formula. You can do you you have two options. You can take the average cost basis. So you can look at all the buy in, buy-ins and say, I I I bought 5000 dollars worth of shares. I invested four thousand Thousand here. I invested seven hundred here, and I invested seven thousand here when I bought in. You can add those cost bases, those investments up, and come up with an average share price. And you can look to you know your profit to be up and above that average share price, or you can actually take all those buy-in prices and do an exact math and see exactly where you are over and above uh, the exact cost basis you have. So that's, I mean, that's the only way to keep track of that moving target is to actually keep details of the investments that you make. Now, your brokerage, some brokers don't, some brokerage firms do not do this, but I would hope that maybe you have a brokerage that is tracking your cost basis with you. So when you make an investment, you know, it's the, the cost basis column of your profit loss is going to show what your cost basis is and you'll get a, a, a pretty good idea of exactly where that is from a profitability standpoint. Uh, if you don't have a brokerage account that's doing that, you can ask them if a lot of times they don't include it in their uh, standard statement, but they will add it to your statement or they can direct you to where there's a button that you push that will add that column, Uh, so you you need to do that. I always tell people… When, the, when they keep their statements, you keep your last month statement, because they're all cumulative, so it really doesn't matter that you keep them all, and you keep your year-end statement, your December 31st statement, and you keep your um, trade confirmations. So you either get electronic trade confirmations, saying you bought 300 shares at $11 a share or whatever it is, um, keep those because if you trade brokerages, you can oftentimes lose your cost basis, and you you need to have those uh, trade confirmations sometimes to refresh your memory on that. So uh, that's, you know, it's it's really just a matter of actually doing the work or maintaining a spreadsheet, but most brokerages now include cost basis, so you should be able to have that even though you're putting in at different times
6: well okay I thank you for that Uh, what happens however when you've gone ahead and taken out your profit more than once and uh, you're trying to get a a current figure on uh, what uh, where you're at in terms of profit loss uh, since you've owned the stock uh, do you continue to apply that same formula of sorts
3: Uh, Yeah, you have to continue to apply that same formula, and you have to do it. You're going to have to do it manually once you start pulling out your profits. So if you're still adding into it, let's say you pull out some profits and you add into it, you know, you're still going to have to maintain it. It's all going to be about the active cost basis that you have. Remember, when you pull out profits, you are – you are getting back some of your cost basis. So if you have a a, a, a a stock that where you're constantly pulling out profits, it just continues to go up and you're pulling some of that profit out, you will eventually get to the point. I have several stocks in my IRA account that I don't consider, I have any cost basis on it. I don't have any cost basis that hundred percent of what I have is profit. So, um, it's pretty easy to keep track of it when you get to that point because I pulled out all my cost basis over the years, so I don't have any cost bases working for, it for me anymore. So, um, you, you know, eventually you're going to get to a place where you'll know that 75% of what you have in there is profit, the rest of it's cost spaces. But you've got to track that.
6: Well, thanks for the explanation. It's much appreciated. Sounds like that would be a topic for a great training video. It would thanks be. again for your time.
3: It would be. Thank you, Vince. I appreciate it. Let's see. If, let's see if uh, we're not going to sneak you in there, Ralph. I thought maybe we would. Um, but hang in there. We're, we'll be back uh, after the break. Uh, if you don't mind uh, we've got uh, one line open 866 300 9298 but real quick somebody on YouTube's asked me about Zion oil and what I know about Zion oil uh, have I heard anything I really can't I really can't uh, say um, what I know unfortunately uh, it would it would be considered insider information uh, but certainly um, you know, we I I do know this—that is public information. Uh, they have raised a considerable amount of money. That's very good news, and they are actively um, getting ready to to uh, drill. The pad is done. Everything's ready to go, and um, I think we're gonna we're gonna start to see some drilling here. So I can say that. Um, I think. Um, they feel like they've got enough funds raised that they can start doing that so they're getting very close to it that's what i'm waiting for so um that's all i can tell you financial issues i'm Celia. i sure appreciate all of you being with us we're trying to help you be the best steward
8: you can be Dan Celia.
3: I want to be a nation that is on the biblical principles and the values and the ethics that are found in Scripture.
2: Personal economy. Financial issues that you need to know. Aligning morality with truth.
3: Well, I think it's time we ask ourselves if we still know the freedoms that were intended for us by the founding fathers.
1: Now, here's your host, Dan Celia.
3: Welcome back. Financial issues. I'm Dan Celia. Uh, 866-392-98. If you want to queue your call up, you're welcome to do that. Let's just take a quick look. All the markets right now in positive territory. The Dow's up 24. Listen, uh, the the markets have had a very tight trading range. Uh, I happen to think that's a good thing. I don't have a problem with it. I, I like that. But it's got a nice, tight uh, uh, trading range. Uh, 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 trading range I think that's fine not a lot of volatility we are not seeing volatility on the upside not volatility on the downside all of that is good as as far as I'm concerned wouldn't it be great just to hang here i'd be fine hanging here for the next year at 2100 on the dow i mean it's it's great and you know we've seen uh, continued runs on the nasdaq i'm not sure what's going on with technology stocks but you know, I I, uh, I believe that technologies, industrials, and material stocks are the stocks uh, for, you know, the next couple of years. And so uh, I've, I've really been working hard to try to make sure that I've got a decent representation. Uh, and I can't really say I do, um, but at least I've got a couple of technology stocks, a couple of materials and industrial stocks. So I'm trying to keep Keep that going. I, you know, at some point in time, I won't be able to. But I want to have a representation for that asset allocation model uh, on on your, uh, you know, on my buy list. So I've been working at that. So we'll try to keep keep doing that. But you know, the tech stocks. I mean, the you know, the Nasdaq Nasdaq's up another half of one percent again today. So we continue to see uh, the technology is doing very very well. And, you know, that's, you know, Apple's driving that. I mean, there's so much going on with Apple. Uh, they just pushed over, you know, $800 billion in in market cap. I mean, they're basically a trillion-dollar company right now uh, when you look at the cash that they have on the sidelines. I mean, so they're basically uh, a trillion-dollar uh, company. I mean, that is just unheard of. I mean, they have so much money. I mean, they could buy almost any company they want for cash. Think about it. Um, so that's driving uh, technologies. But I think the other thing that's driving technologies are a lot of the technology kinds of companies that we have on our buy list. Things that are um, involved in defense department, uh, cyber security is going to be very big over the next few years. We have a couple of those stocks as well. So those kinds of things, as we continue to see expansion in the industrials uh, and material stocks, uh, there's going to be a need for technology. So anyway, uh, that's where we are. Everything's in positive territory in that regard. Right now, when we take a look at uh, the commodity front, um, oil um, was – Uh, slightly negative at the beginning of the program was positive early this morning. It is now almost down 1%. It's at 4,601 right now. So oil's on its way down this in the middle of a report that is saying that uh, they believe that oil is getting kind of in, in check. I mean, they, they feel pretty good about inventories getting in line. Look, ultimately oil is not, I, I don't, I I get tired of saying this, but I really get tired of being the only one saying this. I said it back in January. There is no way on God's green earth we're going to see any kind of balance— Coming back to the oil sector, at least at the very best, best case scenario, is the middle of the last quarter of the year and likely the first quarter of next year, middle of first quarter of next year. And I believe that is true. There are some now starting to come alongside me on that. But the fact of the matter is we have a supply and demand uh, issue here, and everybody is focused on the supply side, and I've been focused more on the demand side. And when you look at demand, look, um, uh, cutting back productivity and production in oil is only a small piece of the supply issue. And as I said, when OPEC talked a few weeks ago, when they were talking about extending their production cuts. I said, look, it's it's just going to pop up somewhere else. And sure enough, two weeks later, everybody was talking about the new glutton oil coming out of the U.S. because uh, fracking is getting less expensive. So it's starting to look like – I read a report. I don't know if I believe it, but – it was from a credible source, but I read a report over the weekend that indicated break-even point on average for oil is thirty-five dollars. I I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, and they, they were they were uh, um, stating technology and what technology has done for oil production. Uh, if that's the case, then at where we are today at $45 a barrel, 46, then it's going to be advantageous for oil producers to continue to produce. So, I think it's going to be a demand and that's why I said we need tax reform if we want to get oil stocks up. If you want to get oil prices up, uh, if you want to get uh, this oil in balance, then we're going to need we're going to need tax reform. Everything's about tax reform right now. So I I read off a a list of things that we've got to be thinking about, and it all comes back to tax reform at this point. So anyway, all the energy commodities, with the exception of not gas, which is up 1%, everything else is in negative territory. Uh, Precious metals, gold is back down again. Dollar still strengthening, strengthening. So you know, the headlines yesterday were this week could be the week that we see gold begin to recover. I don't know. Not it's not looking like it right now. Gold's at twelve twenty. Silver's at sixteen, uh, sixteen right now, both down. Uh silver's down almost three quarters of one percent. Uh gold's down a half of one percent. Copper is in positive territory. Uh, I don't care it's not much, it's not positive by by very much, but i um, not sure why, why that is. It certainly isn't. I, I mean, I guess the industrial um, numbers that came out of Germany, France, and some other European nations the end of last week and yesterday and this morning yet in Germany uh, might ha- be having a little bit of an impact on that. But nothing good coming out of Asia in that regard. The agricultural commodities are mixed right now. It looks like corn, cotton, live cattle, all in positive territory, live cattle up 1.3 uh, percent. Wheat. And some of the other grains are in negative territory right now. Soybean is positive, leading the way there. Soybean's up uh, almost three-quarters of one percent right now. But uh, most of the soft commodities uh, are in positive territory when we get into the sugar, coffee, cotton, uh, lumber, rubber, those kinds of commodities. uh, They're in positive territory. We don't usually look at those, but it's a mixed bag. It's, it's, you know not nothing, nothing dramatic. The most uh, dramatic move is live cattle, um, and that is up just just over one percent. So that's where we are on the commodity front. Uh, we're going to take your calls eight six six three hundred ninety two ninety eight. The job openings number, which I never give out, I don't really care a lick about it uh, because I don't I don't believe it's very accurate, but it's flat right now for the month. Of March. They're saying the economy is taking a breather. This is a month of March number. It's too backward-looking, you know, and it should be so accurate. In real time, I mean, you're looking back two months, man. If you can't get that number accurate, then, you know, we we shouldn't even be putting it out there. But wholesale inventory numbers uh, did come out at 10 o'clock, and it looks like they've gained a little bit. They're up two-tenths of 1%, so I guess that's uh, an okay number, as well, but we've got some other numbers uh, coming out tomorrow that we will we will watch uh, closely. We did get small business confidence numbers. Small business confidence went down. It's 103.4, so it's down a little bit off the 104 number. Uh, but that's okay. That was an April number. Remember, April everything was an uncertainty. Tax reform, Obamacare repeal. Everything was uncertain, so it would stand a reason that uh, there was a little less confidence in small businesses, independent businesses, uh, as there might be this month. I think this month we might see a little bit of a boost uh, in that. We'll wait and see. But anything over a hundred is very good, uh, very, very good. So that's good news. We'll be back right after this.
4: you get the soil ready you put the seeds in and then you water it
1: how do you plant a garden
4: i don't know you pray that god will give you a good harvest Then you have to work it to get all the weeds away and then god brings the plants
1: planting a garden takes planning hard work and god's blessing so does creating a lasting legacy for the people and charities that mean the most to you. The AFA Foundation is here to help you sow the financial seeds God has blessed you with in order for them to blossom for generations to come. We do this by offering free consultation and assistance in the areas of charitable gift annuities, estate planning, will and trust planning, and bequests. To learn more, call 800-326-4543, extension 345, 800 326 4543 extension 345 or visit afafoundation.net.
8: In an age when divorce and cohabitation are becoming commonplace, how can we drown out the voices of the culture and recapture God's plan for biblical families? We'll address that relevant question as we continue our new series called Parental Priorities this week on Truth For Life with Alistair Begg truth for life. Weekday mornings
2: at 1130 Central on AFR and online at AFR.net.
3: Hi, this is Dan at Financial Issues. Would you consider partnering with me on financialissues.org? Go to financialissues.org. If you would like to get all of my financial information, my asset allocation models, my stock picks for the week, be a part of my alert system, email alert system every week financialissues.org to do so. Go to financialissues.org. I know you won't regret it. The opening statement in the Constitution of the United States says this, that we, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty. I don't know what part of that we don't get anymore. That was written by men who cared about this country deeply. Financial issues with Dan Celia. You know, I've been reading a lot about some of the riots and some of the things that are going on in South America and Argentina, all those things. And, you know, this absolute, utter failure of socialism. And I'm just thinking, I wonder what Bernie Sanders is thinking. And all the, you know, these are the things that all the protesters just don't understand. You know, uh, that it, it is just, it's just such a, and I know it's a very different economy than we have in all those kinds of things. But um, anyway, interesting as we see that and a little bit scary. Um, I think some of the things, uh, you know, as we watch uh, Venezuela, I mean, they've gotten to the point where they've got a whole lot of people, a lot more than they did before all the rioting, uh, starving. And you look at a a country that is just a desperate, taking over car companies and oil companies, and you know just uh, becoming just you know state-owned companies overnight. You know, trying to generate some revenues and profits, and you know, corruption after corruption after corruption. And you know, they're not they're not looking at the corruption; they're looking at financing the corruption. Amazing. Uh, all right. If you want to queue your call up, you're welcome uh, to do that. And let me go to Ralph. Ralph's calling us from
0: Alabama. Hey, Ralph. Morning, Dan. Good morning. Listen, uh, I became a new partner last month, and I called you last week and talked to you about an IRA that I have. Uh huh. And I, I, wa- I wanted to get a couple stocks to go with. A few Timothy mutual funds in that IRA. Uh-huh. So you you recommended that I get a material stock and an industry stock. So I, uh-huh. I went on your buy list and found one of each that I liked. Okay. And I was going to buy them both. Was going to buy them both today. I went on to check your list just again one more time last night, and neither one of them's on there. And I was yeah. wondering, yeah, uh, what yeah. to do. Whether I should. Go ahead and
3: buy them or look at something else or? No, I, I wouldn't. I would look at um, some of the others. Uh, I took a, a number of stocks off um, on on uh, Monday morning, but we do have, I mean, I do have, um, you know, a, a, a couple stocks on there that um, on the, on the material side. That are something that you might want to look at, and um, I've got two really good stocks from the industrials side of things. So I mean, they're both you know they're all they're all good stocks, but one of the things that I try to encourage people is to stick with the buy list. So in other words, if it's not on the buy buy list, uh, you know, don't buy it. But one of the things. That I would say about what's on the buy list today in those two sectors are good solid companies, but they're very long-term uh, companies, as as you know, and uh, probably that's what you care about. So I I would just stick with what's on the buy list today.
0: Okay, could, could you could you recommend? I know there's only three of each. Yeah. Could you, um... Which one would you take of each? The first, second, yeah. or
3: third, or what? Yeah. So on the material stocks, I I would just uh, take uh, the the last one on the list on the material, and it's the last one on the buy list too. Um, but I would I would I think that might be um, good for you. How old are you, uh, Ralph? Six sixty. Yeah, yeah. I think that that would be a good one and. And as far as the industrial, it's an expensive stock, but I would pick the first one uh, on the list, you know. And, and keep in mind, you know, we get caught up with sometimes how much a stock is per share. I wish we wouldn't do that, but we do. And, um, and I've told this story a lot. There's times that I don't put stocks on my buy list that are have a really low price uh, per share because everybody's going to buy it, you know, whether they want it or not. And it's irrelevant what you're investing in the company is an amount of money and whether that amount of money buys 10 shares or whether it buys a hundred shares, you're still looking to get a certain return on that money on that amount of money. So 10% on a thousand dollars is 10% on a thousand dollars, whether it's made up of a hundred shares or uh, uh, 10 shares. So, uh, don't worry about that, but I don't think that you're gonna, there's going to be too much opportunity to buy that first industrial stock that is on my buy list. Um, that stock has not been on my buy list in 10 years, maybe even longer. Uh, there was a period of time where it went off my list altogether for biblically responsible reasons, then came back on. But it's been a very, very long time since uh, I've had that stock and it, on my buy list. And it's a great stock. You know the company. I'm sure it's a very, a very, very, very large company. And um, based on the kind of administration that we have and what the administration is is doing with our military buildup and with the defense uh, and and with defending our, our shores and our nation. You know, it's a company that's that's going to do well. So um, I think there, there are a couple good stocks there, uh, Ralph. That's what I would, would uh, do. So hopefully that helps you. Thank you. And I sure do appreciate your partnership. And I'm excited that you're starting to get into this a little bit and just, you know, take your time. You're doing the right thing and just gradually uh, start to work with this list. I'm glad you called and asked the question. Let me go to Ricky in Georgia. Hey, Ricky.
7: Dan, how you doing?
3: I'm doing well. Thank you.
7: Uh, right along the same lines as your previous caller. I enjoy your show. My recent partner. And um, the first question is, uh, you have several stocks on your buy list in each sector. And I was just wondering what parameters we should use in choosing a particular stock. This is along the lines of your previous caller. Yeah. The second question is... Um, when we choose a a particular stock or stocks to fulfill our asset model, should we purchase all of them at at one time or buy a few shares one week, buy a few shares a couple of weeks later?
3: So uh, right now, uh, you know, I think that if you're ready to get in and you you have a long-term time horizon, 10 years, you know, uh, before you're going to be using this money, then I don't I don't know that it matters too much. It's never a bad idea, Ricky, to dollar cost average in, but oftentimes what happens is you never get a chance to, because uh, the the stock continues to go up, and you know you end up buying back in, maybe even higher. And sometimes, uh, it, it is just as well to bite the bullet and put your money in a particular stock. The other thing is. It's not often that you get opportunities. Uh, You know, I always tell people it may take you a year to fulfill your asset allocation model because there may be a sector you need that might not show up on my buy list. This was a lot more prevalent, uh, you know, a a few years ago uh, when my my buy lists were very small. But, you know, it may be a while before you get a chance to do it. So, you know… I like the idea of, you know, just go ahead and get in. Uh, if you want to gradually, if you want to take uh, the money and divide it by four and over the next four months buy the same stock, even if it's not on my buy list a little bit uh, at a time, add to it, that's fine. You, you, you'll you probably be okay doing that. As far as wh- what stock to pick, It's it's really it's it's not difficult, but I don't think it matters a whole lot in the growth sector. So if you're buying a growth stock and you're not as concerned about income, then um, I I don't really think it matters. You know, maybe pick a stock that, you know, that you uh, like, that you get, you know what they do, you know, the company, maybe something like that. You know, um, I don't. I don't have a priority in those. I would say if you're over if you're over 60, 65, maybe you just look at companies that have an LC large cap company, as opposed to something that might be a micro cap or a small cap or a mid-cap company, you know, by the larger companies. Um, that that's always if you don't have a lot of um, a tolerance for risk, that will always be a little less risky to have the larger companies. So you might want to look for one. If there is two stocks, three or four stocks, and one of them is large cap and the others aren't, then you might want to go with the large cap. Um, so, but but ultimately, it's getting into the sector. And uh, I try to put a little bit of a description as to what the company does so that you can kind of get an idea uh, of what you want to do and say, well, you know what, I I think I want to, I like the, uh, you know, I like the automotive sector and I don't know what this other sector is all about or whatever. So, but it doesn't matter. I think it's just important that you start filling out that asset allocation model.
7: I got you. Uh, well, I appreciate the time and got it, And uh, interesting times.
3: Thank you, Ricky. I sure appreciate it. Uh, let me go to uh, James in Texas. Hey, James.
9: Yeah, Dan. How you doing this morning? Thanks Good. for taking my call. Sure. Oh, so I'm I'm 36 years old. Uh, have been contributing to my 401k. Recently canceled that. Contrib- uh, the, what I'm contributing to that. Need the money for some land that we purchased uh, to get utilities installed on the land uh, so that we can live on it. Um, but I had some questions on, uh, I wanted to move the money that I have in my current 401k, roll it over into a Timothy plan and, uh, wanted some advice on, yeah, how to allocate that.
3: Um, So, yeah. So I would be fairly aggressive, James. Um, you know, I, I think that it would make sense for you to be in some things, you know, uh, I, I would take 40 percent of it and divide it up in in uh, as as 10 percent in some of the more aggressive mutual funds the Israel fund the international fund the small cap fund and the emerging market fund that would be a fairly aggressive position gives you a great global uh, asset allocation and the rest of it I would put in their large cap growth fund and large mid cap growth fund and I and and I think if you do an asset allocation like that, it's gonna be volatile, but I think it's gonna serve you really well because of your age for when you retire. Thanks, James. Hi, this is Dan Celia for Financial Issues. You know, we live in some volatile times, and one of the things that we should be concerned about is are the investments that I'm in honoring the Lord? Well, I try to do the best I can to make sure that the stocks and mutual funds on my list are the best out there, not only from a financial and fundamental standpoint, but that they wouldn't be displeasing to God. Would you consider being a partner with me at Financial Issues. For $85 a year, you're not only going to get my stock picks that I update every week, every Monday, and my economic commentary every Monday, along with an alert system and my asset allocation models that change as the economy changes, so that you can do a great job reviewing and maybe actively managing your portfolios. Financialissues.org to partner with me in the ministry.
10: Eight Days of Hope 13 is headed to Lafayette, Louisiana, June 4th to June 11th. Hi, I'm Steve Tiber with Eight Days of Hope. Eight Days of Hope is a faith-based ministry, and we've gone all over the country to help families rebuild after natural disasters. We've helped almost 1,800 families rebuild their homes, sometimes from the ground up. Lafayette, Louisiana, and the whole state of Louisiana got hit by epic flooding last year in August. Almost 25 inches of rain fell, and almost $20 billion of damage was done. Literally, 140,000 homes flooded. Think about that 140,000 families waiting for somebody to be a glimpse of Jesus. You can be a skilled professional, or you can be somebody like me who's less skilled but wants to give back. Go to 8daysofhope.com. We provide the food and lodging and you can learn a lot more about the ministry. And we can't wait to see you in Lafayette, Louisiana, June 4th to June 11th. For more information, go to 8daysofhope.com.
1: Here's Steve Russo with Real Answers. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to be blind? Imagine how different life would be. The simple tasks in life would become difficult. You would miss out on the vivid colors and beauty of creation. But there is another form of blindness much worse than physical, spiritual. Many people today are blind spiritually, going through life without any real sense of direction. Are you Do you seem to be just drifting, lacking motivation, any sense of purpose for your life? The problem is you know something is missing, but you don't know what it is. You are blinded to spiritual realities. The Bible says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. For real answers to real issues, log on to Steve's website, www.realanswers.com.
3: Financial Issues, I'm Dan Celia, 866-392-98. Folks, you know, I, I, I just thought of something as I was um, speaking to James there afterwards as we went to break. You know, uh, sometimes I, I'm i not, uh, you know, I'm not trying to tell any, I would, I. you know me, if you listen to the show any length of time, I've never told anybody to become a partner. That's, You know, if you want to support the ministry, uh, that's great. Uh, and, and help yourself out a little bit there. That, that's wonderful. If I'm not, that's fine too. But if you do, if you don't, I'm sorry, remember some of those things when I give out, you know, I'm giving, well, you ought to do this, you ought to do that. Um, the downside is if you're not a partner, you're missing a sell order. You know, if something goes wrong, if something happens, if I think it's time to get out uh, for one reason or another, um, I, I, never, I never talk about the sell orders uh, on the air. Um, or, or I don't talk about buys where it's something that where I feel it is necessary for me to put out a buy uh, immediately or my buy list that I update every, every week. So I just throw that out there as a, a, a point of reference. Let me go to, uh, because, and, and I assume, um, and, and James, that's fine. That's a good asset allocation model. You're 36 years old. Uh, You'll probably be great with that uh, for, you know, uh, until you're 60. So, and before you change it. But uh, I, j- I just want to throw that out there. I assumed you weren't a um, partner because I have Timothy Asset Allocation Models for your age group on my website. Anyway, let me go to uh, Melissa in Virginia. Hey, Melissa. Hey, hey Dan. How um,
4: are
10: you? I am great. Listen, I'm 69. I have a Ross IRA with Timothy. Okay. And I contribute every month. Half of it goes to the Israel Fund, and half of it is going to defensive strategies, which I think I'd like to change to something else. Hmm.
3: Yeah. So, um, when when do you think? Obviously, you're going to need to start taking your minimum required distribution.
0: You have uh, to take it out of a Roth.
3: Oh no, you don't. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. I. I, I, I okay. Um, <laughs> Uh, so, are you going to need it, this money? Uh, you
10: know, not, not that I know of.
3: I, I mean, I, f- I feel like 50% is a little heavy in the Israel Fund. Now, you've done real well, but um, it, j- it just is a, you know is a little bit high of a percentage to be in that fund. And 50% of defensive strategy, obviously, is a little bit high to be in, in that fund. And, you know, that fund, the defensive strategy, is uh, has been struggling because of their gold. You know, they have gold in that fund, and gold's been getting clobbered, and that's kind of hurt them a little bit. Um, but some of their other commodities as well. So, I, I don't know. I mean, I think that you might want to be... A little bit more aggressive if you feel comfortable enough, uh, and maybe move, you know, some of that defensive strategies out, or if you want to move it all out, that's fine. But I, I would look at maybe something like their growth and in income fund. Um, I'm, I'm yeah, maybe for ten percent of it in the growth and in income. And maybe twenty uh, percent uh, of it in the fixed income uh, fund. That might be that that might be good for some of that. And I'd like to see maybe the rest of that defensive strategy fund, um, maybe in the large mid cap growth fund or value fund, not growth value fund. And again. That's a fairly aggressive, but uh, uh, not not overly aggressive, but fairly aggressive be, because even though you're in your retirement um, or close to it, you don't have any real plans for the money or any real needs. So I think that allows us to look at it a little bit more as a as a long term fund. You might want to kick up. If you want to get a little more conservative, then kick up the fixed income uh, portion of the, the portfolio, and, and I think that might be a good idea. I, and, and maybe some of that fixed income you can take from the Israel Fund as well and cut that back uh, if you feel like it. You've got some profits there, so this would be a good time to maybe reduce your exposure there, I do think the Israel Fund does still have some upside momentum uh, going into the long-term future, uh, but it is it is a fair amount uh, of a percentage-wise, and maybe take twenty percent, uh, you know, get that down to thirty percent of your portfolio. Even that's a lot, but thirty percent of your portfolio, and then use um, maybe the balance of that in their conservative growth allocation model. And maybe that would be a good good place to be, for some of that. So I think I think you need more than two funds. I think you probably need to diversify a little more than that. Oh, okay,
4: okay, Dan. Thank you very much.
3: All right, Melissa. Thank you. I appreciate it. Let me go to uh, Joe in Texas. Hey, Joe.
4: Hey, Dan. Um... I'm a partner with you the second time around. Uh, about three years ago, I had uh, I was a partner but never did do anything with your buy list because it was too busy. But my question is, now that I've been watching your buy list and your information, your tapes, your videos, my question is, uh, how many shares do I buy from your buy list? And the other question is, you have the other list that you look at when you put it to the buy list. Can we buy from that buy li- from that list, too, the, the, the other one that you're looking at? Or do we wait until you put it in, buy list, in the buy list? And I'll listen off air, sir.
3: Okay. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate your partnership. No, uh, Joe, so one of my rules is never buy anything off the other list. I know people do it anyway. But I ask that you never buy from the broad list. You don't buy uh, anything until it moves over to the buy list. So that's that's an important rule um, that that you try to stick to. So I would rather you only buy things that are on the buy list. As far as how many shares, the goal is if you've got a pot of money that you want to invest. So say you want to buy invest five thousand dollars and so i you can do one of two things you can start buying maybe you want to buy 25 shares in one sector of your allocation model and you can do that and get get that sector out of control so out of out of the way so let's say you have $5000 and you need to get ten percent of that five thousand dollars into a you know industrial company so i would take ten percent of that five thousand dollars and move that into as many shares as that'll buy into the industrial sector if you want to wait until you know another month or so uh to buy to put money into a different sector then do that but you can you know buy as many shares as you need to fulfill the percentage on the asset allocation model so if you're if 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 i'm recommending that you have 10% in energy or 10% in industrials or 10% in uh, you know, technology or whatever, five percent in technology or five percent in something else. Then, what whatever amount of money it takes to fulfill that five percent is how many shares you're going to end up buying in that sector. So, hopefully, that helps you there, um, and, and, you, and and that makes sense. Let me go to Kyle in Indiana. Hey, Kyle. Hi, Dan.
4: Thank you for taking my call. Sure. I just got hired by the government, and I'm looking at contributing to the thrift savings account, and Uh I'm just wanting some guidance on what I should do.
3: And how old are you, Kyle?
4: I'm 29.
3: So I would have most of it in, you know, I would have most of your allocation in the C fund, so you might want to have 50% in the C fund. I would have 10% in the I-fund, 10% in the S-fund, and um, the rest of it you can put in the G-fund and then maybe wean that, get that G-fund to where it's only 10% by uh, just, you know, adding to those other three um, if there's a pullback or when there's a pullback And you see that your fund, like at the end of the quarter, if your fund is down, let's say you have the I fund and you're down 3% in that or it's down even more, then that would be a time to move a little more out of the G fund and put it over into that I fund that's down. And then once you get that set, you know... um, then you're fine. If you're not rolling every any money over and you're just starting out, so you have zero and everything, then I would just um, stick to the C fund with the majority of your money, and then ten, and then and then ten percent in the I, ten percent in the S fund, and uh, that the eighty percent in the a ten percent in the G fund, and then the seventy percent in the C fund.
4: Okay. Perfect. I appreciate your
3: time. Thank All you. right. Thank you, Kyle. Folks, you're listening to Financial Issues 866 9298 If you want to queue your call up. Um, right now it looks like everything's uh you know not moving. I mean, it's just everything is just no worries. Everybody is laid back, not concerned, no volatility, not up, not down, pretty much flat line. It's a good place to be. We'll be right back.
2: Unwholesome television programs, and unnatural social agendas. As believers, we use our religious freedoms to take out the trash in the media and society. Even children's magazines are in the crosshairs. Join 1MillionMoms.com and take action. This is Monica Cole of 1Million Moms. We need
0: you to sign up and speak up for our children at 1MillionMoms.com. We are making the difference.
1: Join Frank Turek, Richard Land, Norman Geisler, Greg Kokel, and others for Southern Evangelical Seminary's National Conference on Christian Apologetics. It's October 13th and 14th in Charlotte, North Carolina. Enjoy informative talks, a live debate, and a dialogue with Ken Ham from Answers in Genesis. Plus, there's the premiere of the American Family Association documentary, The God Who Speaks. Early bird pricing ends August 1st. Visit ses.edu for details.
6: Back in 07, my father passed away. My mother had passed away seven years earlier, and they left me a small inheritance, and I wanted to give back to AFA for all they have done for me.
1: Carol talks about her experience with the AFA Foundation.
6: I am an avid listener to AFR, 12 hours a day, and I hear Dan Celia talking about the charitable gift annuity. I liked what the... uh, gift annuity offered, donated a certain amount, and from that, I get a check every month, which is retirement income for me.
1: If you'd like to support the work of the AFA and receive a fixed income for life, a charitable gift annuity from the AFA Foundation may just be what you're looking for. Learn more by contacting the foundation at 800-326-4543, extension 345.
8: The opinions and recommendations expressed by Dan are his own and do not necessarily represent the opinions of this station or any of the show's sponsors.
3: Welcome back, Financial Issues. I'm Dan Celia. It's great to be here. 866-392-98. I lost my uh, YouTube feed. I was going to go to some of those questions, um, but I don't know what happened. Anyway, let me go to um, Dan. Dan's calling us from Ohio. Hey, Dan.
9: I've been a member for a couple of years and I had, I'm a, well, I'll be 64 in July. My wife will be 66 in, uh, in November. And, you know, we've listened to you about social security. Um, I'd like to put mine off till I'm 70 and uh, she wants to cut her hours. We both work some part-time jobs, um, cut her hours and, uh, and possibly go on at 66. Um, but, you know, I get these uh, emails. You know about you know there's advantages to do you know certain things about Social Security when to take it. Um, one is from Motley Fool. I wondered what you thought of that. Uh, you know, if, if they have to, they they get you on a hook. They say, well, you can save up to twelve thousand or so by doing what we say. Um, but is there any advantage in other way other than just putting it off till you're seventy to get the most?
3: there is absolutely no advantage um to not waiting i uh, there yeah. now here's the thing i shouldn't say no advantage the theory being that you can accumulate more money by starting to take it now assuming you die when the irs says you're going to die so, if you keep within the mortality tables that some say you should take it early so that you can accumulate. Now, Motley Fool and others might say, well, you can invest some money if you don't need it by taking it early. So, here's my opinion for what it's worth, and I sometimes think, and I probably am the only one that has holds to this, but… I, I try to be a little more practical. And you know, my my thing is that at a certain point in time you shouldn't even be thinking about accumulation. It's over. And the only thing you should be thinking about is how much money you have coming in. Because the only promise I can ever make to anybody because I'm so certain of it, because I've uh, sat across from a lot of tables from a lot of people that I've managed their money for years and years back when I had my trust company and, you know, have been with them through their uh, elder years. And I can guarantee you at some point in time, at some age, Different for everybody, maybe 70, 75, maybe 80, 85, I don't know. But at some point in time, the only thing you're going to care about is how much money you have coming in every month. And because you've got to, at some point in time, turn your thinking to consumption and away from accumulation. And, you know, our time when we're working is our time of accumulation, when we start to cut back our work, we have to start thinking about consumption. And the one thing that's never going to change is our consumption. We're always going to pay taxes. We're always going to have an electric bill. We're always going to, you know, have um, uh, insurance and things like that. And so a 30% increase, that's a third more by waiting till you're 70, is a huge benefit once you become consumption-minded. And, you know, the fact of the matter is, those mortality tables are pretty much worthless. If you're in good health, uh, they're really worthless. And if you're over 60, statistically, one of you is going to live into your 90s. So... I, I want to know that I've got as much money, that I've maximized my income uh, to the to the best ability. If the Lord calls you home at 72, then I guess you should have started collecting at 66. But you're not going to care. You're going to be in glory. It doesn't matter. But I, I think that you'll wait um, if you can do it. I mean, I'm, you know, I plan on waiting. My wife's going to wait. Um, where as long as we can, you know, we continue to work. So uh, I think it's I think it's a great idea to wait. And so I don't believe the idea of investing a portion where you don't need the money, then you move that money over here and that money is going to grow. That's great. That's great. Um, Until the one year of the six years you're going to have it over there, it goes down 15%. And then at the end of the six years, you've got exactly how much money you had when you started because, you know, everything's gotten caught up. Yes, but you've lost those years of investing anyway because you had one bad year. So it's just not worth the chance to me. I think if you can wait, you wait. And I think in the long run, you're going to be better off. And isn't
9: Social Security about an eight percent growth every year? Yes, until um, you're seventy. So, yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: For me, it ends up being thirty-two percent. That's what the number works out to be. So I'm going to I'm going to mm-hmm. gain I'm going to gain thirty-two percent more. Um, you know, if I if I wait till I'm seventy, according to that thing they send you, you know, the Social Security right. thing they send you that says you can take it at sixty-six. Here's what it would be, or whenever. So. Um, I have one
9: other quick question. Sure. Um, I, have, I have PNC. I don't know if I got that on your, um, um, for your in, uh, advice to invest or mm-hmm. if something else. But should I keep that stock or should I
3: get rid of it? Is is it a preferred? Uh, I was, was thinking it was. Um, so was it
9: on your list it, at one the, time? Because I can't seem yes. to find
3: it. Yes, the preferred was on my list at one time. I never had okay. the common stock on my list, but the preferred was. If you own that preferred, I would keep it at this point um, until it gets called. I would keep it.
9: List on it, so I I didn't know if I missed it or not. But
3: yeah, no, that's that's fine. You, I I did put out one on it, but I would keep it at this point until it's until it uh, is called.
9: And I know and you, I know you had a sale a sell on William Partners, but I I. Didn't get around to doing it. Should I get rid of it or hang on no, to it?
3: I, it hang looks on like to it. You sh- that was okay. one of my bad. That was one of my misses. Um, so, so, I I put a cell based on some information that I had, uh, and you know, I looking back, I wish I wouldn't have. But I've had more good ones than I've had bad ones. But that was okay. one. That was one that if you still have it at this point, I would definitely keep it. Yep.
9: Okay. So keep both those in.
3: Yes. Yes.
9: All righty. All right. That's what I need to do. All
3: right. Thank you, Dan. I appreciate the call. And thank you for your partnership so much. Let me go to Samuel in Georgia. Hey, Samuel.
8: Yes, this is Samuel. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Hey, how you doing, Dan? Thanks for your ministry. Sure. I'm 65. I just retired from the government. I also retired from the military. Uh-huh. In 98, my wife is also 65, so you just kind of busted my bubble. We both started drawing Social Security this year. basically <laughs> so, 66.
3: Sorry about that. But uh, okay.
8: I do have the retirement income, so I, I've got that coming in from the military since uh, 98. I have the Social Security coming in. I have a FERS annuity coming in. And I've been, been investing with American Century and Fidelity throughout the years. Mm-hmm. And I, I've heard you mention many times most of these mutual fund companies are, are not biblically you know, based, and I'm assuming American Century falls into that category as well. Is that true?
3: Yes, it does. Yes. Mm -hmm.
8: Okay. So I've started shifting some money to uh, the Timothy Plan, as you you suggested, but my real question is, I've got two grandsons, and I have invested a little money just in something like CDs for them, and Mm -hmm. I've looked into Coverdells, 529s, you know, gift to minors, but I was reading something about you could invest in a Roth in your, your children or grandchildren's name on, under their Social Security number? What do you think of that, uh, that approach?
3: So, I think it's better than those other things, but I probably wouldn't even do that. I, what I really like, Samuel, is a separate account in your name. Now, you'd lose some tax advantages by doing that, but but I think that the flexibility that you gain is worth the loss in the tax advantages. And what I mean by that is, number one, anything in their Social Security, any money under their Social Security uh, number that could be used for school, is going to be, could be, it depends. I mean, your, your grandchildren's parents may be very, very wealthy. They're never going to qualify for scholarship or any other money or whatever. And oftentimes, even if they qualify for academic scholarship, um, they will eliminate them if they can afford to pay or if they have any money in their name. So, that's one thing. The other issue is you might not want to give it to them for college. They may be okay going through college. You might want to give it to them, uh, let them have it after they graduate or let them have it when they buy their home or let them have it when they get married or whatever. So, I love the idea of the flexibility that you have um, having it as a se- You can have it as a separate account. So, obviously, you guys know, hey, that's, you know, that's for our grandchildren or our grandchild or whatever, but I, I like the idea better of you having it in a, in a separate account.
8: You're, I could put it into a mutual fund in my name with Timothy Plan and they would be the joint owner no, or the beneficiary? No. No.
3: They, be the, they would be the beneficiary.
8: Okay. Beneficiary then. Yes. Okay. okay. Yes. Yep. Can yep. I ask you one other question?
3: Sure. Real quick.
8: Okay. Uh, I, I'm looking at starting to withdraw some money from traditional IRAs. I've got a Roth as well. Okay. I want to start investing following your, your guidance, I plan to become a member, okay. uh, I w- and I'm curious about the best approach for doing that, if I should, since I'm a platinum member with American Century, so their rates to invest in the stock market are pretty good for a platinum member. Okay. Do it through American Century, or if yeah. I should do it through Fidelity? Or-
3: no, I do it wherever it's going to be most advantageous for you and inexpensive. I think through Fidelity, you'll have more options. You'll be able to use Timothy if you want and other things, CDs and other things. So I would probably choose Fidelity.
6: Have a great day. God bless. If we ever forget that we're one nation under God, then we will be a nation gone under.